We are frightfully wondrous. Frightfully wondrous. Frightfully wondrous. Frightfully wondrous. Frightfully wondrous. Frightfully wondrous with Ra Avis. all become stories. Thanks, Margaret Atwood. My big brother is dying. That's the sort of thing I don't write about, because typing it into words makes it seem real. I mean, I know it's written somewhere, on some medical file. There's all this diagnostic stuff that tells me his cancer has morphed into something that needs to be treated with IVs. Little fluids and needles that cause him more pain than his sick blood cells ever did. My, my big brother is dying. Now you know. So now it never needs to be said again. Tuck away the thought, lock it in a box, throw it in a forgotten barn, burn the barn, toss the rubbish in a volcano, let the earth eat it. It wasn't true. Anyway, I don't believe it's true. At this moment, A very tiny percentage of my big brother's body is cancer. No, that's not true for me either. At this moment, a very tiny part of my big brother's body is being visited by cancer. Yeah, that's better. It's comforting to know how to fix a story. And since almost everything I know about storytelling, I learned from my big brother. It's quite fitting, actually, to use my skills here. Even the most gentle version of this story upsets me. And when I get upset, I read poetry. I silently stalk the pages of my favorites, flipping through them for the words that will make me cry. And I always find them, the right words, all the words. And the tears pour down my face, and I let them. Dave wrote poetry, but he snuck it between the plot twists of his novels. Dave wrote poetry, but he hid it in the paintings of his art. I was raised by a natural-born storyteller, my big brother, the oldest of the six of us. Then I left home, and I married a natural-born poet, and made a new home. But I never left the words. I find the words my heart needs almost everywhere I look for them, and I am always looking for them. Every bit of life is a poem, and there are stories in every verse, so really, everything starts and ends as a story. And of course, stories never really end, so I guess that means we are endless. We are infinite. Wow. If everything we write into the world 
if the way we read our world is destined to continue on forever, it really makes you think about what kind of story you want to live. One of my favorite poems is by E.E. Cummings. It's called Nobody Loses All the Time. When I was preparing for this oddcast, um, the poem is pretty much the entirety of my notes. So I think I'm going to have to read it, even though I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't know what I'm saying here. I just have too much coffee or not enough. And I apologize in advance because E.E. E. Cummings isn't really the sort of poet whose words are read aloud as well as they dance on pages. You'll see. Nobody Loses All the Time by E.E. E. Cummings I had an uncle named Saul who was a born failure, and nearly everybody said he should have gone into vaudeville because perhaps my uncle Saul could sing McCann He Was a Diver on Christmas Eve like hell itself, which may or may not account for the fact that my uncle Saul indulged in that possibly most inexcusable of all, to use a highfalutin phrase, luxuries. That is, or to wit, farming. And be it needlessly added, my Uncle Saul's farm failed, because the chickens ate the vegetables. So my Uncle Saul had a chicken farm, till the skunks ate the chickens. When my Uncle Saul had a skunk farm, but the skunks caught cold and died. So my Uncle Saul imitated the skunks in a subtle manner. Or by drowning himself in the water tank. But somebody who'd given my uh, Uncle Saul a Victor Victrola and records while he lived presented to him upon the auspicious occasion of his decease a scrumptious not to mention splendoriferous funeral with tall boys and black gloves and flowers and everything. And I remember we all cried like the Missouri when my Uncle Saul's coffin lurched because somebody pressed a button and down went my Uncle Saul and started a worm farm. It's funny because that poem is actually the reason I started a blog. You see, the foundation that owns the poetry of E.E. E. Cummings is finicky at best. They don't like when you put his words on a website. Even if you're not selling anything, even if you're not criticizing the poems, they write you these mean legal letters that say, you don't have a right to these words. Even though they're in your heart now, even though he wrote them for you, they're not yours. So sometimes what happens is the availability of that particular poem or any of his poems is just not there. When everything in my life started to go quite badly, when my metaphorical skunks ate my metaphorical chickens, and I metaphorically drowned my online world in the metaphorical water tank, I started over completely. I cleaned the internet of my presence before, but I wanted a place to put at least this poem so I wouldn't lose it, so I wouldn't lose my mind in the middle of losing everything else. But nobody loses all the time. So they found a place for me to start a blog. He said I could make the posts private, which is fancy blog speak for password protecting a web page. So I posted the poem and I locked it up. I stopped locking posts after that first one because I didn't see the point. How would anyone find me anyway? Of course, since that first post, 
Uh, well, some of y'all found me anyway. And the rest of you I found myself. I find that I'm drawn to people who read life in a certain way. Not the same way as me, but a compatible way. It's a game that the man in the purple tie and I play often at work. He throws a pen across the room and says, What happens? I go and pick up the pen. Even though he shakes his head and says that I don't have to and that maybe I shouldn't. But we all favor certain crayons in the pack. We all color our lives in a way that is most appealing to our own senses. A pen flies across the room. I don't know what the man in the purple tie experienced. I don't know what a stranger felt. I don't know what the security cameras captured. The pen flies across the room. What happens? I'm not sure, I say. But let me help put things back into order. And then we'll talk about it. And then that's what I do. You gotta start somewhere. Even if it only makes sense to you. And even if you end up somewhere you never expected. Starting a worm farm after a splendiferous funeral. Despite a near lifetime of dragging that poem everywhere with me. And sharing it with people. Dropping it into conversation. I never once was asked what it was about or why it spoke to me. Not until I went to jail. There, I met a young girl, kind and quiet, impressionable, and curious, young, in that way I never was, and brave. So brave. In a way I'm not sure I could ever be. She asked all the questions, and I told her, There's a thousand stories in this one poem. There's the existential hero who wins simply because he tries, even if he never actually wins, and all his dignity is found in losing. There's the dreams for you that aren't yours, that live after you die. There's the impressions you made while living that manifest themselves in mysterious ways even after you're gone. There's the underdog story. And the story about rolling with the punches until the punches get the better of you, only to realize that maybe you would have had a much easier story if you had just let the punches win early on. There's the story of letting go in order to hold on. There's a story in every molecule of Uncle Saul's life. A poem in every chicken and skunk and worm and stranger. It is a poem about the endlessness of poetry, the infinity of life, the eternity of us. I wasn't going to tell this story at all today, whatever story I'm telling right now. How I started a blog, or what is happening with my older brother, or the girl I met in jail who liked poetry and tattoos. I don't even really know what I'm talking about. I was going to tell you about a $20 bill in Christmas, and snowmen made of toilet paper, and ho-ho-hos, Nudge, nudge, winch, wink. Um, but I'll, I'll save those tales for a different day, I guess. A friend recently told me that I'm an exponential storyteller, and nothing about me has ever made more sense to me. I tell stories within stories because I see stories in every story. And it takes incredible willpower on my part to stay on point, which is why I haven't been writing lately. I mean, if I took this and transcribed it and wrote it for the blog, 
What would I even title it? Worm farms? Burn stories, not books? Uncle Saul? Hashtag current mood? No. No one would understand that, because I don't think anyone understands an E.E. E. Cummings poem, or any poem, or any story, the same way as somebody else. For me, though, for me, I love it. I love the poem. And yes, maybe it's a little morbid, and maybe it's a little unfair, and maybe it's a little unbelievable. But hey, um, true stories get that way sometimes. Depending on how we tell them, how we read them, how we live them. It all depends on what we bury, and what we throw in the volcano, and what we lose. But nobody loses all the time. Nobody loses. All the time. We don't lose time. We are infinite. In the beginning, we are all stories. And in the end, we all, we all become stories again. We're all exponential. We read the story we want into our lives. And that creates more stories. So I guess what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything at all, is that today we should all go out and read something great. Or better yet, Better yet, something good. Happy Sunday.